Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, a podcast show of courage to be curious. And it almost seems crazy for me to be saying it, but if you've been following us this year, you know that we have been traveling the entire year and studying the yamas and the niyamas, the principles of um, yoga. And over the year, I think we've you know, learned a lot about what those means. And we are on the final episode of the last of the niyamas, Ishwarya Pranidhana. Um, we've been talking about it as surrender. And today, for the final episode of this month, we have a really special guest. She's very special in the world, and she's very special to me. So we have with us Kilkenny Tremblay, who is the founder of Sanctuary Yoga and Mindfulness, located in downtown Philadelphia at 13th and Locust. She's special to me because she leads the yoga teacher training program that I have become part of. I've been, I found the universe matched us up together so that I began studying with Kilkenny and her team in September and just such a gift to the world in terms of the founding of this very special yoga studio in Philadelphia that really does have kind of a beautiful and distinct orientation to yoga in the city. So Kilkenny, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And just share a little bit about what makes sanctuary yoga and mindfulness so distinct. And just the fact that it has the mindfulness, because that, that um, speaks to a piece of what's so unique about it. But what makes this such a unique yoga studio? Well, we're really all committed to the vision of offering this practice one really rooted in the lineage and honoring the tradition of yoga. And two, we're all very committed to the practices that relate to body, heart, and mind. So it's never just come in and downward facing dog. There's always a connection um, through instructions, through words, to psyche, to illuminate the teachings from the inside out as much as the outside in. Um, as well, we're really focused on alignment because how you do what you do matters. And so really aligning the body in specific ways for each individual body, because of course all bodies are different. And so that's another aspect that we focus on. And then the aspect of mindfulness, the paying attention, the real practice of the yoga from the deepest layer of the heart that influences both the mind and the body as well. And it really is. I've been to many yoga studios. Every place I travel, I have my mat always comes with me. I've been to many yoga studios and the way that you and approach it at Sanctuary really does honor all of the things that you've just described in terms of honoring the uniqueness of each person's body and creating a space where everybody is, you know, normal and welcome and beautiful and then is, um, you know, approached with so much love in the course of the work that happens at the studio and the approach to mindfulness that I, it is the only studio that I know of around mm -hmm. here. And it has, I think it's what's 13, maybe 15 meditation classes yeah, per week um, and really helps to spread that wealth of experience in meditation. So it's 
such a gift to be there. And we're going to, Kilkenny is going to be back in December to help us wrap up this year. So there's so much more that you're going to learn about her background and about what yoga really means um, when we get there. But today's episode, we're going to focus on Ishwara Pranidhana since we are um, culminating a year-long journey with the Yamas and Niyamas. So people, I think, who've been listening kind of have a sense and know what, a little bit about what the Yamas and Niyamas are. But one of the things that you can do is just put it in the context of yoga and what these principles, you know, what they really are in the context of yoga um, at the big meaning of yoga, not the asana and the mat. Mm -hmm. Well, this is one of my most favorite topics is this yoga and how we really integrate it into our life and take it off the mat. Because really the tradition um, was birthed with this intention. So to me, the yamas, the niyamas are really signposts on this journey, right? If we were taking a trip on a mountain and hiking up a mountain, right? We look for maybe little painted arrows on the trees. And they're from those who have tread the path before us. And so yoga is this path towards more wholeness, towards more self-knowing. Really, ultimately, the goal is complete self-knowing and complete presence and actualization in the moments so we can live our life and really be living the moments of our life. And so these teachings are so profound because these are teachings like little breadcrumbs, Hansel and Gretel style, that have been left from people who have tread this path, from people who have even gotten to the top of the summit, taken in this view, and then wrote them down. And that's what Patanjali did. Patanjali, the author of these yoga sutras, wrote them down so that we can follow these breadcrumbs so to speak and ourselves summit up to the the top of this mountain and take in the view of our life which is such an incredible um, panoramic experience if we do so and it's a journey even along the way right to do so so let's talk about Ishwara Pranidhana here it is you know, what it means to you, and we have to talk about it's the last, right? And I've done a lot of thinking about, okay, why is this the last? But, you know, talk about what does this principle mean to you as part of that overall journey? And um, in that weaving, like, why it seems to make sense that this is the last? Well, it's such a fabulous question and, and thing to really contemplate and pontificate on because Ishvara Pranidhana, at least in my experience, is really like the keystone principle within these eight limbs in this text and on this path. Because if you think about it, we've had nine prior to it, right? The first five, the yamas, are all these understandings and breadcrumbs and teachings about how to be in relationship with others in a mindful way, in a supportive way, in a illuminative way and in a respectful way. Then the four that come after those first five, equating to nine, talk about and speak to being in relationship with ourselves and these layers of self, right? We go into purity and, you know, traditionally that's the first of the niyamas, you know, 
traditionally that was even known to like wash it, you know, make sure you take showers. So we're talking from like the external level and then you start to go a little more deeper, a little more deeper and into oneself. And when you get to Ishvara Pranidhana in the center of these teachings, it reminds us ultimately our intention. Like what is the point of all of them? And what do we want to punctuate all of them with? So to me, it's a punctuating one. And then it's a linchpin because it's referring to the first nine. Okay, I'm going to practice, say, nonviolence, which is ahimsa, which is that first yama. It's the first one we start with, right? But who is ultimately that nonviolence serving, right? And it's serving our devotion and dedication to life. To me, Ishvara Pranidhana speaks to our devotion to life to all the things that we hold true in our hearts, to the divinity and the universal within ourselves and on the outside as well. And so we can practice nonviolence. Ultimately, you know, who is that in service of? Same thing with tapas, which is one of the niyamas, right? The austerity, the effort. So like if I'm, you know, cooking a dinner and it's a complex dinner with all these spices and, a big recipe to me who's not a chef and doesn't do this all the time you know a two-hour meal is a lot of effort and if I get into so much the effort right to the point where my little child comes in and I'm grumpy then I'm not remembering who I'm serving but if they come in and I think oh I'm preparing this meal and ultimately you know I'm really offering up to this sweet being who I'm in service to who is a, an abode of the divine then that changes the whole influence and the flavor of the tapas, the practice of the effort. So Ishvara Pranidhana can influence all of the nine prior, but then it also can influence all the ones after this, because of course the yamas and the niyamas we're talking are 10, right? And then we still have six more to go. Next comes asana. So the one after that, so if I'm remembering, okay, if I just practice yoga, even asana on the mat, I can go in and practice and, you know, it feels good. But if I can remember, Ishvara Pranidhana, my intention, so often the yoga classes start with this, right? What's our intention? When we're practicing intention, we're practicing Ishvara Pranidhana, that remembrance of who am I in service to? Who am I practicing for, right? That universal principle within myself, or maybe I'm offering the practice in some way and that and the benefit of warm thoughts of good energy of intentionality outside of myself but it's still in reference to ishvara pranidhana ultimately and that's hopefully as yogis what we're doing and then it goes on same thing with pranayama uh, same thing with dhyana dharna all the, the ones prior to it and then after it and so i think of it really as such a keystone that holds in some sense the spiritual architecture the psycho intellectual architecture of all of um, the sutras. What I love about what you just said and in the context of the episodes that have come before this one is we've been talking about Ishvara Pranidhana in terms of surrender and what that can mean. And you've given it a different flavor, right? You've given it a flavor of devotion and intention. And when I think about how those two things relate to each other, you know, surrendering our attachments, surrendering our 
the things we feel like we have to have or we need to have or all of those kinds of things, that we're not surrendering them into nothingness, right? I mean, we're not surrendering into nothingness. We're surrendering to the to a deeper intention, to a deeper devotion. And I think that's, I'm thinking about that in the context of some of the things that have come before, especially where the concept of surrender can feel so difficult, right? It can feel so difficult, like I'm supposed to just let go, which isn't really what it means, right? And then, but putting in that place, I'm not letting go into nothingness and leaving myself totally, you know, just floundering out there in the world. I'm letting go of things that are, and holding on to, putting all the energy in the direction of the thing I'm in devotion to, the thing of the deepest intention, which is so beautiful. Exactly. It's such a beautiful point and, and nuance because particularly in our Western culture, right? Surrender like is a white flag and it has this negative connotation. Like if you surrender, you lose the war, so to right. speak, right? That was in our first Traditionally, episode. Right? Yeah, yeah, so and about so, that. and the yogic understanding is just what you said. It's a rooting, like Ishvara means the, the root and the etymology of that word, Ishvara, means like a powerful rooting. That's literally one translation of it. So, and the yoga is really about yoking and unifying ourselves to that which matters. And so when we practice these incredible teachings, it's literally rooting ourselves, like you said, and offering things into which matters. Because if we're just offering into nothing, right, who cares? You know, who, who cares? There's no real um, juice and real static electricity for that. And then, of course, you know, we'll get bored of that really fast. The mind will, will tire, tire of that, right? So the mind, we understanding in yoga, you know, is attracted to different things, and that's okay. So how do we align the mind and really align it with things we're attracted to that matter to us? And so the Ishvara Prindana, you know, it's, it's that which matters to us. It's interesting, and this is on a total side note, but I, there's this other um, group that I facilitate, and we're coming up in this um, period in December where we're all presenting vision boards. Mm. And typically, oftentimes vision boards have either images, and can have images of pretty concrete things that you kind of want to come into your orbit, or goal setting and things like that. And I've struggled a lot with that. In fact, when we had our last meeting and somebody made this beautiful presentation on how to use a vision board and what it was, and I said, now I want to present my whole challenge with the vision board thing. <laughs> and, you know, my sense was what I would love to rename it as and what mine will be is an intention board. Mm. You know, what is it, not at this kind of concrete, tangible level that I want to necessarily have, which I realized for me has never worked for me. What are the intentions that I want to set? Because when life keeps moving and things keep changing and all the things we have no control over take over, what will I stay connected to? What will be the guide, you know, in the guidepost? And to kind of shift from this sense at least in the way I was thinking about it, of a vision board of like, okay, I want this new house or this new like kind of car mm -hmm. kind of thing to, you know, what are the intentions that I want to hold true regardless of how the events and experiences of the world play out in the coming year. And that there's so much rootedness in the intention. So this surrendering to things may not look today the way I thought they were going to look, 
mm-hmm. or in the next two hours or in the next month. And how do I root into that? What I'm really surrendering to is that regardless of all of that, underneath that is a core intention. Yeah, that's such a gorgeous um, understanding and downloading of this principle of Ishvara Prangana in the yoga tradition. It reminds me of this teaching how, you know, the yogi and this journey that we're speaking of, it's like the wings of a bird. Right? And the bird is flying. And so you've got the effort, which of course is the tapas, that effort, and then surrender. And the two wings have to be in equal balance. And so there's this dynamic relationship, right? Of course, if there's not any effort, even in the Ishvada Pranidana, if there's not intention and alignment, right, the wing isn't going to work. And then in the tapas, the other wing that's efforting a lot, there still has to be a letting go, too much effort too much constriction, too much, you know, even on the mat, engagement can cause you injury, right? So there's the, the, the seed of one within the other, like the yin and the yang, so to speak, even with those qualities, and you just articulated them in life and how to, how to um, execute it in life so beautifully. So let's stay with that for a moment, because I think that becomes one of the questions for people is, what does it mean to execute this in life? You know, so I gave this one context and example and, you know, you've been living so deeply immersed in these principles for, well, as we're going to hear next um, month, like your entire life. <laughs> so what does it mean on a practical level to really live this principle? Well, so much of it, of course, is, and this is so much of what we try to offer at the studio I own, is it's going to be unique for each individual, right? Because some of us have very feisty, fiery personalities. Some of us have very, you know, airy, mystical, out there personalities. Some of us are very grounded and tangible and, you know, practical personalities, right? So, so much of the yogic journey is really very individual and what will work for one person will absolutely not work for someone else and the opposite will work for them and this is one of the most exciting things for me about this path and why I love to share yoga and I'm a teacher of yoga so you know a couple things one thing is the starting point and the starting point I think can look very similarly for most people and that's the mindfulness that's where the mindfulness kicks in so we've got meditation which is one of the later limbs um, in the sutras and meditation is is not mindfulness this is a misconception in the western world meditation is a practice and one is being mindful but it's a different journey and it's a journey on the inside meditation dhyana leads to and bears the fruit of once you leave the cushion or the mat of the mindfulness practice. And that's the practice of waking up and surrendering to the moment, right? So often we hear like, okay, be mindful, be present to the point where I think sometimes it's become watered down and not even clear. Like, what does that mean? And when I was contemplating this principle, I was really thinking about that, right? Most of um, the time, the majority of us, and this is proven scientifically in a myriad of studies now, of course, are 
having the same thoughts over and over again and not really in the present moment, thinking, 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 and resisting, resisting, resisting life and the present moment. Whether we're in the past, whether in the future, whether we're not liking what's going on, we're fighting what's going on, we're not, right? And so this is why this ancient principle is so powerful because this Ishvara Pranidana is really this baseline of pausing and really practicing Olympic attention, Olympic listening, Olympic seeing. And I think those things are a common baseline which everyone can start breathing with Olympic attention, right? So, so often in life, we're seeing the same people, we're in the same abode, we're doing you know, similar things. And we forget that it's actually an amazing thing and we're resisting it because we're bored or we don't like it or all these things, you know, that the mind labels and does. And so Ishra Pranidana becomes with like surrendering to the moment and opening up because in surrendering, there's opening, right? And if we're really opening to the present moment and I'm opening to the viewer, the listeners can't see, but like Zena has this gorgeous blue royal regal um, shirt on, right? And if I'm opening to the beauty of the color and the texture and her eyes in front of me that matches this beautiful shirt, right? All of a sudden, there's this softening and opening and revealing of the magic of the present moment. And so that's one thing that I think is a, is a tool. And it takes effort. It's not like, oh, be present. And oh, I'm present. Like, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we do that? And it is a practice of moment to moment, noticing, just noticing what's happening. And that's really the yoga, noticing the moments of our life. So we're really living them. And noticing with our senses, the details, the warmth of the tea of the cup one is holding, or the firmness of the floor beneath our feet and all those things. And that's a real surrendering. Surrendering of the resistance of the now and opening to what is happening in the now. And studies show, you know, when, when people um, who are really working with deep illness or even in aging populations, that's how like the quote unquote Western mindfulness movement was birthed these individuals were asked to start paying attention and they were asked periodically throughout the day, how are you feeling with your illness? Are you in pain? Are you, are you not in pain? You know, they, they started just getting asked these simple questions in these studies. And all of a sudden in this paying attention, these people who are aging were living longer and their quality of life was improving. These people with challenging um, diseases like ALS, and MS started to have improvement with their symptoms. So in the surrendering and opening and paying attention, there also becomes actually empowerment, which is, I think is very interesting too. We think surrender, we lose power, but often it's in the surrendering and the opening to the moment that we step into our fullest power. And to me, that's very exciting. It is, and I think, I think it was so beautiful. I'm, I'm um, listening to, I'm reminded of something, I don't know how many months ago we talked about the surrendering of the resistance and what that allows. And we had this phrase that I have shared here called radical amazement, mm -hmm. you know, of allowing 
letting go of the resistance so that we can experience that sense of radical amazement. And when we're out there and we're searching for happiness and we're searching for contentment, we're searching for all these things and we think we have to go all of these places to find them. And it's in our surrendering the resistance mm -hmm. and creating that openness that you just described to the present, to this thing of radical amazement of noticing the colors, like noticing the thing that's right in front of you. What, comes from that space is absolutely magical in fact absolutely yes and and it creates those liminal moments of connection to the divinity the sanctity of life and that's what ishvatanyana translates to right that connection and that opening and that surrendering and that alignment with that divine principle you know whatever you call it some people call it the void. Some people call it nature. Some people call it, right? God, goddess, you know, whatever it is, lights, humanity, it might be for you, right? But, but that's what it does. And it's a powerful thing. I love that radical. Radical amazement. <laughs> it's fabulous. So we could talk for a very long time, and that's why we're <laughs> going to come back in December. So, you know, people will have just experienced Thanksgiving when they're listening to this. Um, and so... Um, people will spend a lot of time surrounded by this whole gratitude thing. And as much as Thanksgiving kind of, you know, evokes this concept of gratitude, many people actually find it quite a challenging thing to, to access and bring about because there's so either because there's so much emphasis or there's just so much with being in family and all of these other things. And so I'd love to provide sort of an anchor for people as to what's the relationship here in this principle and gratitude. Well, I think that there are two aspects um, that one can play with because again with one's disposition one or the other might work and hopefully one or the other will work um, but one thing is is mantra which literally means mindful practice and one could simply practice you know breathing in coordinating a silent thank and breathing out you mm. in thank out you and that's something that with it being English we know easily those words we know the intention and what they mean and so that's something even if you're sitting at thanksgiving dinner and someone's pissing you off you know you could because it's not going to distract you you can still listen to someone and inhale thank exhale you inhale thank you know and then of course you decide you that's what's so fabulous mm -hmm. about yoga right you are the empowered person that gets to plant the seed of intention so when you say thank you you could be thanking the floor for supporting you you could be thanking yourself for being such a badass that you can hang out with your in-laws for this long and not, you know, bust the gasket. <laughs> you could be just simply thanking, you know, nature for the abundant, gorgeous food and you're looking at the food. And so it helps center you. And so you could do that as a practice or after, of course, Thanksgiving, like you're saying, when you're by yourself in a quiet space. Um, and then the other thing I love to do, I call it the yoga ABCs. And I find it really easy because ABC, right? We learn those um, from such a young age. And it's attention. It's that art of attention. And so it's just that, oh, let me practice my ABCs right now. And it's reorienting and reminding ourselves of this practice. Let me pay attention. Because it sounds so easy. It sounds so easy. It's almost ridiculous, right? Like pay attention, of course, right? But then when we think, okay, I'm going to do my ABCs now, like, oh, actually, a lot of the time you start to check in with yourself and that you're not really paying attention. Right? 
And so that A is attention in the, okay, I'm going to pause and I'm going to really pay acute attention and I'm going to use my senses to do so. Smell, touch, you know, visuals, audio, all those things. And then B is breath. I'm going to breathe. And so you pause and you check in, pay attention, and then you take a couple deep breaths. And then C to me is connect. And it's feeling the earth beneath your feet, the seat underneath you, you know, whatever your body is touching that isn't your body and grounding into that. And, um, you know, just another practical way that can be a game changer. And you can, you know, put it in your phone, set your phone for either of these to remind yourself because most of the time it's the forgetting of to do these things. And we need those reminders or, some people like put a sticker or a st I have a sticky note even, like just a square sticky note on my kitchen refrigerator that just can remind you, oh, it's a visual, right? And can cue you. So there are different ways, um, you know, to do this. The other thing I think is so powerful is the morning, which I'm such a fan of, is the practice of what do you do when you first wake up in the morning um, with this practice um, of gratitude with the practice of Ishwara Pranidana. Because, you know, the yogi said, and they knew, the morning time and when you first wake up, and traditionally it was, you know, right before the sun rises. Not everybody can do that with our technological late night hours that a lot of us have shifted to. But nonetheless, you can still harness this idea that when we're sleeping, there's a reset, right? And that we can literally <laughs> shift the synapses in our brain and start fresh and like a, like a, open um canvas you know really create the quality and the colors and the hues of what we want each day and so i'm a really big fan of before your feet hit the floor you know if you can make one or two little rituals for yourself and again everyone that can look differently but have them in connection to gratitude um you know it might be an aphorism that you write and put by your bed it might be a glass, you know, from this, a piece of sea glass from the ocean because the ocean reminds you of, of your gratitude and how much you love the ocean. You know? So for each person, it can be different, but just making a ritual because in our modern day life, so much of um, ritual has been extracted and really, you know, surgically removed out of our lives. You know, and so that's yoga is a great um, invitation and has provided a lot of opportunities to, to, to add more ritual back into our life because ritual is so healing and ritual really can determine the quality of our minds and our psyches, which ultimately determine the quality and experience of our life. And we're going to get so much more into that when we talk next time, because that is going to be huge about what we talk about next time yeah, when we come wait. in. So yeah, I'm so excited for that because yeah. I, there's so much I want to jump into. But um, so we're going to draw, you know, I think we were left with so much richness here and draw today into a close. And I love leaving people with the tip of the ABC, the attention, the breath and the connecting. And that's something we can do any moment, anytime. 
And we may even pick that up as sort of that entree into creating ritual in our lives and what that brings to us. So I'm really excited how we're going to explore that more Mm -hmm. next time. Um, And for everyone who's been listening all year long, right, this is a ritual moment, right? We have been traveling, traveling together. We've been exploring for 10 months. And here we are at the conclusion of these 10 months. Now, don't think nothing's happening in December. December is like a big culminating month of the whole experience. But Mm -hmm. the fact that like some of you have been listening and traveling this whole year and here we are at this um, concluding moment. And I'm reminded in, um, in Judaism, we have a thing like when you finish reading a book of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, there's a phrase that you say in Hebrew um, that translates into like, um, like strength, 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 um, from, like from the strength comes strength, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, from all of this work, from all of the study creates more strength and all the different ways we can think of that. And, you know, I'm just sort of reminded, I feel like we're like closing a book, a big chapter here, you know, we've been through like 10 mini books and like now we're closing it. So, you know, to take this moment and really honor this journey, I was just reflecting to somebody about you know, when I'm in the weekly of producing these podcasts and thinking about this, it's almost not realized, okay, we're in this one. I've been, I'm thinking about this principle this month and whatever. And now I'm on the end and I'm like, wow, how much it's transformed my life. And I didn't have to like, it just in all the little pieces and little ways that it got there. So for those of you who've been traveling and listening, traveling with us and studying, you know, to kind of take a moment to pause for yourself create a little space to say, wow, what has really grown inside and been growing inside as a result of journeying on this path? And then come back and join us in December as we're going to explore that more deeply. Um, I'd also love for Kilkenny for people to know how to find out more about your studio and um, the things that you offer there. So what is the website? How do people find Sanctuary Yoga and Mindfulness? The website is um, www.sanctuaryyoga.com dot com so you can find us there you can find us on social on instagram at sanctuary underscore yoga my personal handle is at yoga kilkenny um, so those are great ways to stay connected for sure and i love what you said because i really honor it's such a really brave and courageous uh act that you've done being a really illuminating these teachings in a practical way for people. Um, and so it's, it's really a gift that you're offering. I had the, um, the quote pop into my head, the TSL quote when you were talking about this journey of yours that goes on, um, we shall not cease from exploring. And at the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the very first time. Mm. And it's so so fitting, I think, for this gift that you're offering everyone with these podcasts. Absolutely. And while that already resonates so much, activates many things. So thank you for coming on today. And, you know, I really encourage people stay with us in December because Kilkenny has so much more to share along with some of the other amazing yogis that you've heard over the course of the year. You've heard from Christine Keisinger, you've heard um, from Henry M. Polsky, and um, they're all going to come back because of the people I know in my universe. They're people who really live these principles. They live yoga and, and they spread yoga and share 
um, it in every fiber of their being and in the work they do in the world. And they've been great teachers for all of us. So I encourage you to come back and culminate with Zero of Us as we have these wonderful guests on in December. And um, so the beginning of the month will be a newsletter. If you are not on our newsletter distribution and you would like to be, that's where you can go to couragetobecurious.com and sign up for that. And you can also sign up to get the podcast delivered by um, weekly email. Um, or you may have it on your podcast app already. And please spread the word because the more people who listen, the more light there is to shine in the world. So thank you, Kilkenny, for being here, for being our guest. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back again in a couple of weeks.